the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Hey, everybody. We are thrilled to be joined by my friend Lila Rose from Live Action, who is the most articulate and quite honestly, that one of the most important pro-life voices in the entire country. I support her organization when I can, live action. It's such an important effort to, get, to, to be behind. Lila, welcome back to The Charlie Kirk Show. Thanks, Charlie. That's so kind. Well, You're one of our favorite supporters. Well, thank you. Yeah, and uh, I'm definitely uh, outspoken. So the reason I wanted to have you on is I believe that the Supreme Court seat that will now, God willing, soon be filled, it, yeah, it's about states' rights and it's about free speech. But what it's really about is abortion. If we just say why the left gets so animated about this is they want to be able to continue to have a million abortions a year. Ken Starr said it best on television the other day. He said, really, the thing that animates both sides is the issue of Mm -hmm. life. And so I think it's really important that now we know what this fight is really going to be about with Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat being vacated and hopefully filled with a pro-life constitutional justice, we're going to have probably the most important conversation around life in our country's history since Roe versus Wade. So, Lila, let's just start with this. What what are you doing to gear up for this Supreme Court seat fight Mm. and the issue around abortion? And then I want to dive into just kind of play devil's advocate with some of the top uh, kind of issues around the idea, the issue of abortion. Sure. Well, first off, you're right, Charlie. This is historic. I mean, if we were to, if President Trump succeeds in nominating and confirming a woman that is ultimately pro-life and being pro-life is being pro-constitution because the Constitution enshrines equal protection under the law for all people and a human being, their life begins in the womb. So that the Constitution is very pro-life. It's designed to protect basic human rights, the first of which is life. So if we have a woman on the Supreme Court who's confirmed the days of Roe v. Wade are very short numbered. It's really a, just a question, I believe, of when the next case makes it to the Supreme Court where they can decide not just to overrule Roe v. Wade, which was the Supreme Court case that legalized abortion on demand through all nine months. 60 million children have been killed since then, since 1973, this historically, horrifically unjust case. Unjust case. But not only may they overturn Roe v. Wade, but they would further explain for what we know to be true, which is that human life begins in the womb. And because of that, a child in the womb is is entitled to the exact same rights under the Constitution that you or that I are under the 14th Amendment, which declares equal treatment under, under the law by for all people. So I'm very excited about this moment in time. I think that now more than ever, you said, what do we do about this? We educate. People need to understand what's at stake here for those that are pro-life and those that don't understand the issue of abortion very deeply. Maybe they think they're pro-choice. Just getting basic facts, Charlie, about life in the life in the womb, fetal, fetal prenatal development, learning about what the abortion procedure does, the violent act that it commits. I mean, I was just talking to a girl 
um, on online live action. We reach millions of people online with the truth about abortion, education about human life. And this is just an example. See, she's saying that abortion is not really killing a human life because the baby isn't, you know, it's not a baby, it's a fetus, and it's not alive yet. So we're saying, well, why, if it's not alive, then why do you need to abort it? And she's like, well, it's just, it's, you know, it's not alive, just like a chicken before an egg is not alive. I'm like, well, if the egg is unfertilized, then yeah, it would not be actually a chicken, a chick yet. A lot of, you know, eggs you have in your refrigerator are unfertilized. So just the, the ignorance around this, I mean, it's very clear that it's alive, the fetus, the embryo is alive and it's human and therefore should be entitled to those same protections as you are, or that I am. So I think that this is a historic moment and education is going to really win the day because the media, as you know, and so many other um, talking heads in politics, um, a whole Demo the whole Democratic Party is rapidly pro-abortion and pushing misinformation. I love that framing of pro-abortion, not pro-choice. So I think mm -hmm. that it they... Is. They try to mislead people in how they view the issue of abortion because it is pro-abortion and they don't like it when you describe it that way. But that's exactly what it is. And as you've said, well over 60 million abortions since Roe versus Wade. Is that right? 60 million abortions? Yes. An, an extraordinary figure. And so I really think it comes down to when we talk about the issue of abortion, it comes down to a lot of things. But one of the most important starting points is when does human life begin? That's really kind of what we are talking about here. So Pete Buttigieg said that life begins when the baby exits the womb. Right. When does human life begin, Lila, and build it out for us scientifically, morally, and constitutionally? Yes, of course. So first of all, you can open any human biology textbook, and it will tell you when human life begins. If you're in any biology classroom, they will tell you when human life begins. This is not a, a matter of opinion or debate. It is a a scientific fact. Human life begins at the moment of fertilization. That's when a human, a human uh, egg is, is fertilized by a human sperm, the mother's egg by the father's sperm, and a unique individual single cell embryo comes into being. This is a unique individual human organism. That means it has the power to, to grow. And if it isn't interrupted and killed and is given the proper nourishment, will grow into an infant will grow into a toddler, will grow into an adult, an adolescent one day, and an, an adult. That is how human life begins at the moment of fertilization. So we know that as a fact. And we know that this distinct individual human life just needs time and nourishment to grow. Constitutionally speaking, Charlie, the 14th Amendment is, was an incredibly powerful clarification that the Constitution, that we have in our Constitution, that insists that all human beings, all people have equal protection under the law and that the, the state cannot deprive you of your, your life or your property without due process. I mean, that is something that, that makes sure that we are all treated equally. And this is in our Declaration of Independence, right? It says our founders penned that we are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights and that among these are the right to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Note that they said that we're endowed by these by our creator. So all created human beings, all human beings are, are endowed with these inalienable rights, meaning they're universal. We all have them and life comes first. So constitutionally speaking, scientifically speaking, and then morally speaking, I mean, we cannot live in peace and harmony as a society if we're killing the vulnerable. It really comes down to that. Children are our future. They're the most vulnerable. They're the most voiceless. If we as adults think because we're stronger, we can kill them, if they're inconvenient to us, then there's injustice and immorality at the core of even how we function with each other. And so that if, for having a, even for the sake of a flourishing future, we need to eradicate abortion altogether. I love that framing because that's really what it comes down to. It's I've been on this earth longer. I should have the authority because I'm older 
to crush a preborn life. And what I love about your website and what you guys do is the framing. You're finally framing life in a compassionate way, but also in a truthful way where you do not use the language of the left, where you say, no, it's a preborn life. And so can you walk through just some of the the milestones of weeks when a baby can start to hear, when a baby starts to form yeah. um, uh, the, the specific form of um, hands or uh, there's all these milestones. You know, the, you know, you know right. the calendar better than I do. Can you walk through that? Because it's, it's horrifying <laughs> mm-hmm. when people actually hear that right. six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, recognizing of mother right. voice, heartbeat. What are mm-hmm. some of those to give kind of an idea yeah. of how quickly the process moves along? Yeah. So before a woman even knows she's pregnant, her baby's heart is already beating. The heart begins beating, and this is for virtually almost all women before they even know they're pregnant. They've missed a period. They're starting to wonder. At just 21 and a half days after fertilization, a baby's heart is already beating. Within six to seven weeks, neurons are already firing. So brain waves are already starting. Their electrical processes that are forming their early central nervous system is already forming. By the end of the first trimester, Charlie, all their organs are present. They have, they have a jawbone, teeth, a face, eyes, ears. They have hands, legs, arms. They have everything. And, by the, and that's when most abortions happen. So most abortions are happening. All abortions are happening on a baby with a beating heart, with firing neurons, with brainwaves that are beginning to be detected. And almost all abortions are happening on children that have arms, legs, fingers, toes, fingernails forming, jawbones beginning to harden. Wow. It is incredible how swiftly human development takes place. And it is heartbreaking and horrific to consider that the vast majority of abortions are ending children. All of them are ending children with beating hearts, and almost all of them are ending children that already have discernible a discernible body. You can see the human body already present. That is that is a reality. When people learn this, by the way, we see it all the time when we are doing education online. Shocked because most people have bought the lie of the abortion industry and the media, saying that it's just a clump of cells. Right. They don't want they want to pretend that the life doesn't exist in the womb and they think it's just, you know, not real. There's just cells. It's just blood. To, it's just blood clots. And so they're they're really believing a lie in order to be OK with the, the killing. But when the edu- when education happens, it is transformative for people. And they and many of them become pro-life. Is life gaining traction because we are told that young people are all pro-choice. You can't talk about it. Is that true? Yeah, so there's actually just a global study done, uh, not just in the United States, but on nations across the world that showed that that actually support for abortion amongst young people is ult- ultimately slowing down. And in many places, it's on the decline. And that's because young people are spending a lot of time on social media. They get access to um, other sources of information beyond the traditional pro-abortion news media. And so they're actually seeing, wow, this is a human life. And, and they're also realizing, look, you know, my generation, the generation before me, our parents' generation, are they happy? Are they are they happy that they maybe aborted my siblings? Are they happy that they aborted some of their children? Are they happy that they're part of that? That's the other part that no one talks about, Charlie, is that people are not a woman who has an abortion is not feeling like, oh, I just had an abortion. I'm so empowered. I mean, it is it is devastating to so many women and they mm-hmm. carry this silent grief. So I think we're seeing that in the poll numbers. I mean, recent Gallup polls, other polls that they do regularly on this shows that the abortion support, I mean, while there is some entrenched abortion support in our country that does exist and we have to fight that, amongst young people, the numbers are looking more and more favorable. 
because they are more identifying with the pro-life position and wanting abortion restrictions. And the vast majority of Americans want abortion restrictions. Yes, and it's gaining traction. On your website, you say liveaction.org. Everyone should go there and help you out. 2,363 preborn children will die in America today. Every 90 seconds, a child is aborted at Planned Parenthood. Under federal law, preborn children can be aborted up until birth, and a preborn person's life can be ended for any reason. If I could get every American kid that's eight years old to be exposed to those four facts, I think our country would be a better place. I really do. And yeah. I think, I think yeah. Lila, what, it come, what also is a deeper point here is just do we value human life or is it is – it, are we willing to discard certain human life for our own convenience? And mm-hmm. – and I, can you talk about, though, how rare abortions are in the case of rape and incest of a mother mm-hmm. and life of the mother? And I, I, I know there's a lot of pro, pro-life people out there, and I believe yourself included, that believe that there should be restrictions on all forms of abortion except the very rare case of life of the mother. But can you just talk about the qualifications that most abortions, 99 percent, 98 percent, are actually a form of birth control? The statistics that even come out of the Guttmacher Institute, yes. so Planned Parenthood's research arm – say that um, even in the sort of more generous application of statistics, and again, this is from Planned Parenthood's research arm, it's less than 3% of abortions are in the cases of rape, incest, or life health of the mother, where there's a life-threatening condition for the mother. So it's a, it's a, a very, very small fraction, and some say as little as less than 1% of all abortions. So it's an incredibly small fraction, and that's what people say is the reason we need abortion on demand. Well, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of children killed purely out of convenience and often out of fear. I mean, fear is a real part of this. And Planned Parenthood knows that and they prey on the fears of women. That's why they were so adamant about remaining open during coronavirus, because they want they knew that more people would be afraid. And so they knew they could make more money and keep killing children. And they were using, you know, personal protective equipment and keeping their clinics open where the where the churches were closed. But it's it is less than three percent. And and even in those cases, I do want to address those cases because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around that, too. So I think there's this sort of like gut reaction that we have where if we hear about a horrific case of a woman being the victim of rape, right, and she becomes pregnant, then we think, oh, my gosh, she, she absolutely should have an abortion. That's sort of this, um, this gut reaction we have culturally, and, and it's sort of like a foregone conclusion. But in the studies that have been done, and there aren't a lot, there should be more, but there, in the few studies that have been done, and we report on this at Live Action News, women who have an abortion after rape are not their healing process is not aided. Instead, actually, it adds more trauma to the original trauma of the rape. In other words, abortion doesn't take away the trauma of the rape. It doesn't unrape her. That still happened to her. It just adds another violent act on top of it, which is not just against her body with an abortion. It's a very, very invasive, horrific, you know, ex- terrible experience, but also it kills a child. So when you look at the statistics, women actually don't fare better with an abortion after rape, and many women regret it. They wish that they hadn't had an abortion, then they felt pressured to have it because, again, it's the foregone collusion, conclusion. If you're pregnant after rape, you're like, you should definitely have an abortion. Maybe that's not what's best for the woman. And then the second thing to consider is the child. If you're a child conceived in rape, whose fault is that? Are you the, are you the criminal for that? Or was it your father, this man who was the rapist who assaulted your mother? He should get he should get the penalty for that. We don't even give the death penalty, Charlie, in America for rapists. It's actually against federal law. Rapists cannot be given the death penalty. Why do we give the death penalty then to children conceived in rape? Why do we why do we make them responsible for the crimes of their father? So for both the woman and the child, abortion after rape is not a solution. And so when we educate on this, people are very much 
they're more open to understanding that. But again, because we have this knee-jerk reaction to it and, and we've just been cemented and formed that way by our society and our media, um, it's hard for it's hard to think otherwise. But rapes survivors are not benefited by abortion, and that child conceived is certainly not it's it's not their it's not their punishment to carry the crimes of their the sins of their father. I want to read something from a celebrity. I don't really follow these people, but I saw it in a news feed <laughs> and I checked into it. Uh, uh, celebrity Salma Hayek. I don't know if you've probably heard of her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Don't yeah, exactly yeah. follow her. Uh, however, someone sent me. It was really interesting because it was mm-hmm. right on point. Salma Hayek five days ago, and I actually don't know where she stands politically. I bet she's a leftist. I just I bet she's pro-choice. Yeah, she's fairly left. Yeah. Okay, so I, yeah. I, I was a complete guess, yeah. by the way. I just only use this as an interesting <laughs> example. I don't know if you saw this Instagram post or not, but I think it's really interesting and something mm-hmm. you can use. She said, quote, tomorrow the tiny baby that formed inside my womb officially becomes a teenager. They grow so fast. And then she puts it in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, and she has a picture of herself pregnant. Um, and in front of a window, um, I, I read this, I said, why do you get to call it a baby, but someone in your exact same form of progression of pregnancy could go to Planned Parenthood and they just say it's disposable. Lila, what is their answer to that? And is, isn't there some, isn't that a pretty good argument for us where life is not some sort of subjective, it's a baby for me, but it's a clump of selves for thee. Right. Right. Yeah. Reality doesn't work that way. You know, you're either dead or alive. You either exist or you don't. And you can't your your value isn't assigned by whether or not your mother loves you. You know, that, that doesn't make you valuable. And and as Mother Teresa says, you know, I will take your baby. There's so many people out there and I work with um, thousands of them that are wa- waiting on adoption lists that want to adopt these children. If, they, if a mother feels she can't carry that child to term. So there's so many people w- ready to love a new child. And so to say we should destroy that child, I mean, it's, it's, um, it is really heartbreaking. And I, and, and, you know, quoting Selma, you know, her saying, Oh, I, uh, this little tiny baby in my womb. Now it's a teenager. You see this a lot from celebrities, Charlie, you see it from Chrissy Teigen. Um, you may have, may know her. She's very pro right? Or something like that. Yeah, married to yeah. John legend, like, you know, Twitter personality has different like HTV shows or whatever, but she has this whole thing about miscarriage and she was talking about seeing the ultrasound and hearing the heartbeat of her next baby and how amazing it was. And you're like that baby that is on ultrasound that you're admiring is the exact baby that the age of the baby, size of the baby that you are advocating to be killed, that you say it's what, what am I justified to kill. That you're not missing anything. It's not logical. It's not, it's not compassionate. It's not fair. But that's what we've allowed. I mean, that's the schizophrenia of our society. And it has to stop, Charlie. Okay. I mean, that's why education is key. And then also laws are key. There will be some people who, because of the will to power, they say, I'm more powerful. I get to do what I want. That we need laws to protect these children just as much as we need a cultural change. So that's why we fight for both. So I'm going to read a question that we got at, uh, emailed to us at freedomatcharliekirk.com. And we have some great listeners to our podcast, and we're actually convincing people towards life. There's a lot of listeners that were previously awesome, Charlie. not pro-life, and now they are. And so there's a really good question that came in. I'm paraphrasing this. He said, uh, Charlie, I love liberty. I love freedom. And I believe that abortion is wrong, but I don't think abortion should be illegal. Can you convince me otherwise? So that kind of goes to your part sure. about laws. <laughs> Can you build that out for us, Lila? Absolutely. Well, let's let's consider another uh, an example. Um, in the situation, let's say, of child abuse, right? You can say, well, I would personally never abuse my child, but I don't want to infringe on somebody else's right to abuse their child. 
I mean, would you would you say that? Would the same listeners on this email say that? Probably not. They probably say no. Child abuse should be illegal, and if you are caught abusing your child, you should you know there should be a penalty for that. That child should be protected. Similarly with abortion, if we know this is a human life, if we acknowledge the scientific reality, this is a human life and that abortion intentionally and violently kills that human life. And if we think that human lives deserve protection, which I think we all do, we, we think innocent people should not be killed and that the law permit that, then they should be protected just as much as anybody else. And that's why this is a legal issue as much as it is a cultural issue, because if the law unfavorably chooses one people group to protect versus another, that's an unjust law. Everybody has to have equal treatment under the law. And you can't just be personally pro-life. To be personally pro-life and say, I'm against it, but I would let other people do it is the same as saying, I'm against child abuse, but I would let somebody else abuse a child. If it's a child, he or she deserves protection. And it's that simple. Yeah. And, and that's why you have laws. And if the, if the yeah. opinion of somebody in that camp is I want the decriminalization of all laws that protect the innocent. That's right. a pretty foolish worldview. And if that's your opinion, then state it and defend it. But if you all of a sudden have this belief that I'm going to have a set, set of laws for only people that are so old, okay, well, then what's your breaking point right. then? Is it when, right. when they're one years old or two years old or why not two months old when the baby's right. DNA is formed? Can you talk, Lila, about the miraculous nature of the DNA formation, that there's something yeah. that science still cannot completely explain. We call it the miracle of life. We say it so often, but when the egg is fertilized, there's something that will be that never be created again. It is unique. Uh, you mm -hmm. and I come from the Christian perspective that it is God's hand in the creation of that life, just similarly right. how God breathed life into existence at the beginning of creation. Can you just kind of walk through about just how incredible it is and how we should value that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. I love I love what you're talking about it because it is I think it is miraculous and there are things that science can explain like why is it that at the moment of fertilization while all the DNA is present so you have your XY chromosome you have all your DNA present or you have your you know if it's a boy or a girl depending what chromosomes you have and why is it that this unique organism now individual human organism is self-actualizing? I mean, it has the power to actually grow, it, it, it knows from its own design, it has its own blueprint, and it also knows to grow. That is something Amazing. science has trouble explaining because it is able, without interruption, with proper nourishment, if it's not aborted, if, it's, if he or she is not miscarried, they will grow one day in, in, into you know, a full-grown baby, which can be born, and then one day into an adult. And that is a miracle, uh, and, and it's hard to explain scientifically. Um, but one thing, other, other thing that you said, Charlie, about um, that kind of libertarian idea, which I just want to make another note there. Yeah, I mean, I hear this a lot from libertarians or people that say, you know, the laws really should not get involved here. And I say, well, why are you then against murder? You know, why do you think the law should be involved with murder? Or why should the law be involved with rape? And or even the best libertarian, the most liberal libertarian will say, um, yeah, of course, we should have some laws. And so again, logically, it follows if it is a child, if it's a human being in the womb, then they, they should be protected just like a born child. So um, I know a lot of pro-life libertarians. So you can still be libertarian or you can still be you know, very much pro-human um, freedom and be very pro-life. The whole idea of a constitutional republic is to protect the rights of the weak against the tyranny of the strong. That's right. why you have laws. Right. So you do not have hierarchies of people that come in with a bigger weapon um, or more, ar a bigger army and be able to abuse the weak. That's why you have murder laws. That's why we have laws against our government. That's why in the Constitution, it explicitly says that Congress cannot do certain things. 
that you have the separation of powers. It's the idea that the rights of the minority or those that might not have the same capacity as you actually matter. And most importantly, the right to life. Lila, as we close this conversation, can you also talk about how they always frame this from a woman's perspective. I'm on Planned Parenthood's website here, uh, which I do not have a habit of visiting their website, um, but they frame everything in a pro-woman lens, that if you dare not support abortion, that is an attack on your femininity. It is an attack on your womanhood, that you must fight the patriarchy, and by doing so, you must be able to terminate pregnancy. What is your response to the kind of pro- woman framing of this and how they just make this seem almost a man versus woman issue? I mean, as a woman, I find it incredibly offensive because it's telling me that to be strong, to be empowered, I have to kill my offspring. I have to commit an act of aggression and violence against my own flesh and blood. And it's, so it's, um, it's that women, it's that women back. It set us back, Charlie. We are not happier by killing our family members. You know, we are not more empowered by rejecting our family and our own our own children. And you look at the the grief. I mean, I have I have been privileged to talk to now probably over the years hundreds upon hundreds of women who have been who've had abortions in their past. And and they're still looking at me with tears in their eyes because that when they when that kind of moment of truth hits them, I mean, there's a moment of relief. A lot of women do feel relief after having an abortion because they're like, "Okay, I'm out of the immediate immediate experience of pregnancy. You know, what am I going to do being a mom? You know, many don't feel ready to be moms." But then it starts to, to hit them as time goes by. And there's all these co-occurring disorders they might have, you know, mood issues they may have. I mean, many even have suicidal ideation. A woman is actually 100% more likely to commit suicide a year after her, after her abortion than before. I mean, the, the, the suicide rate is, is uh, spikes amongst women who are post-abortive. It's because you know instinctually that this is a life and that, that yes. this was your, your son or your daughter. So I am so angry at the abortion lobby to lie to women like this. And they're profiting. They make $500 to thousands of dollars off of at each individual abortion. They profit from this. And it's 2000 plus a day at Planned Parenthood. They're an abortion factory. Yeah, so we're, it's millions of dollars they're making. And every year, hundreds of millions. It's a multi-billion dollar industry when you add up all of the abortions and everything that they're doing. And I'm angry at them because be. women have been, have been lied to. We've been given these stupid lies about prenatal development, about empowerment, and we're not happier because of it. And there's all of this carnage because of it. The reality is women deserve support. I mean, women deserve and men, we need men to step up. Yeah. I mean, there and thankfully there are some laws like, you know, child child support and things like that. But it's a cultural issue. We need men. If you're going to sleep, I mean, this is what I would say. It's very, very blunt. But if you're going to sleep with a woman, be ready to be a father. I mean, if you're if, if it, I think part of this is responsibility, personal responsibility that our culture has forgotten and women deserve that support because we do carry a lot. I mean, being pregnant is no joke. Having a child is, is a big deal. And so how we view sex and how we treat sex also has to change. I think that's part of the Completely solution. Correct. And we need men, men to step up and women deserve support. One other thing there. That's why I'm also really proud of the thousands of pregnancy resource centers yeah. and the work in the pro-life movement to support women. That is crucial work. Because we can't just say don't have an abortion and then like, you know, check out. These women deserve our support. Girls deserve our support. And so if you're listening and you're, you know, wanting to get involved in the pro-life movement, I highly recommend, of course, check out Live Action. But we refer to and encourage 
the work of those supporting these women, supporting girls in need, that is half the battle. And so I encourage you to get involved. CARENA is a wonderful organization. Heartbeat International is another great organization that is doing amazing work day in, day out to serve women in communities and their families. And it's really interesting, Lila, because back in 2012, we were told not to talk about these social issues, right? Don't talk about it, just fiscal conservatism. And now you kind of look at the landscape and the, the, the issue of life is winning. Things are changing in the black community. The issue that gets them to just stop is when you say that your people have been killed by white liberal abortionists for the last couple decades. And it really is a winning. Things are turning in the black community on the abortion issue. It really is. And, you, you know, you've played a really big role on that. Candace Owens has been speaking out against it. People of faith. People that love liberty. It's time to rise up. Make your voice be heard. Fill that seat. So we might fight for life, defend life, and defend Amy Coney Barrett because they are going to come after her in a nastier, more vicious way than anything we have ever seen. You, you hit it perfectly, and I think every church in the country, especially these mega churches that build these endless mausoleums and these huge buildings— <laughs> And they go march with BLM and they don't support the Pregnancy Crisis Center. They don't support the new mothers in their church. I think it's gross and it's awful. And I think the church needs to step up with the millions and billions and hundreds of billions of dollars that have been given to them and get involved in this fight for family creation for life. The abortion industry right now, and you said it perfectly, it's a multi-billion dollar lobby they are a corporate lobby, and their right. business model is hypersexualizing children. You see that through Cuties and Netflix, right. getting kids sexually active before they even become teenagers. It's a big part of their model. They go into grade schools, Planned Parenthood does, and they teach the most graphic sexual education courses you can imagine. Um, it is, and then by the time kids are 16, they're already very sexually active. And it's a real and no wonder why they look at abortion as a form of birth control. What's really horrifying, Lila, is we're on pace to have 500,000 less children next year than this year, is that we, we're, our birth rate is now going down because and the abortion rate is right. staying stable, if not going up. And that's that is yep. that is considered to be an essential activity, which is just so incredibly um, it's just gross. I use that word earlier, but it's it's yeah. it's true. And I do think, though, that this confirmation fight and I just want to encourage you. Let's say it's Amy Coney Barrett or Barbara Lagoa, you know, at the recording of this conversation, we don't know, but it's probably gonna be someone who's pro-life. Mm -hmm. Millions of people, mm -hmm. and I really believe this, will start the confirmation fight as someone who might be pro-choice and we can bring them in the pro-life category. This might be the yeah. greatest conversion opportunity for life we've ever seen, because what will happen is President Trump, who is the most pro-life president in American history, spoke at the March for Life, just signed the uh, Born Alive executive order, um, has cut Planned Parenthood funding. Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and God willing, we'll get either Amy Coney Barrett or another uh, Justice Barbara Lagoa. What will happen as soon as he nominates that person, because the left is so pathologically determined to oppose anything the president does, they will slander the pro-life views that that person holds. And at that moment, you'll see Nayral, Elizabeth Warren, every person on the left go and misrepresent the woman's rights issue. And I just want to encourage you, Lila. Go have those debates. Go on television, if they'll have you, and contest for this because the truth is on our side. And we can bring millions of people over into our camp in the next couple of weeks. That's why I'm yeah. so excited to gear up for this <laughs> fight because we've almost been waiting for this moment, right? We right. Have been, this is the fight right. that we have been waiting for. 
and for churches out there, get mobilized and pastors out there, get vocal. And so it's more important than ever because the left is going to be geared up for their culture war. And the final thing I'll say, and Lila, maybe you can help make sense of this. Why are they so just pathologically obsessed with abortion? Why, why, why does it animate them so much? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just a connection to that. Is, is, I, can, I have theories about it, but it, I, yeah. I, is, is there yeah. any comment on that? I have theories as well. I think a lot of it is deep wounds that many people have. They have been involved in abortion. They've had abortions and they haven't healed from them. They haven't reckoned with it. And so because the, the, the killing of their son or their daughter. And so they are their 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 way to deal with that is by trying to get other people to have abortions, too, ultimately, and make it OK for other people to have abortions, too. I think that's where you see some of this sort of almost instability, like you see um, celebrities or there was the, the March for Light, uh, March for uh, Women last year, which, again, not March for Women. I mean, March for, for, for death, really. And they're they're shouting their abortions. Like you said, there's just like anger and this frenzy. And I think it comes from a place of deep disturbance. People are really disturbed because of abortion. And they think then they have to just have more abortions. More abortions have to be permitted. More people should have them. I think that's part of it. I'm also um, a person of faith, as I know you are, Charlie. And I do think it's spiritual. I mean, we believe that yeah. say, evil is real. I think everybody would acknowledge evil is real. <laughs> and um, evil is nonsensical. Evil doesn't really make sense. It just wants to kill. It wants to destroy. It wants to hurt and harm. And I think there's that spirit alive, you know, even in the souls of of people all over the world, that there's a spirit, the fight between good and evil. And I, I think that's what this comes down to. It yeah. really is a fight between good and evil. And it's a fight for the future of our, our country. What kind of country are we going to be? Are we one that's built on basic human rights? Are we one that protects the weak, that loves the child? Or are we one that will throw it all out the window and, and destroy those that are innocent? I choose life. Amen. That's the country I'm fighting for. And I, I know you're fighting for it too. Liveaction.org. Everybody, please, the fight for life is the fight right now. It's the most important fight. Get involved because we have to confirm the Supreme Court justice and it could re- it could reverse Roe versus Wade. And we'll talk about that at a different podcast at a different time. It's just so important. God bless you, Lila. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you, Charlie. We learned a lot. Thank you. Keep fighting. Thanks. Thanks, Lila. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.